0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our 3PL Summit. Once again, my favorite summit that we've put on. We've had a lot of really great chats so far, and I'm excited to bring another one to you. And today we're going to be discussing um, how to motivate your teams. Now, there's a lot of uh, 3PLs, brokers, logistics providers out there that I'm sure you're seeing some of the toughest sales cycles you've seen um, over the last, honestly, probably decade. Um, until the ELD mandate happened, there hasn't been this type of um, tightness on rates and tightness on capacity. So I wanted to bring on someone who could help explain not just how to motivate your team through these times, but how to even leverage technology and in, in a different way motivational uh, ideas and strategies in order to keep your team rolling and, and really find those those gaps that you might be experiencing as well. Today I have with us Cassie Pless. She's a director of corporate sales for Outreach, a revenue intelligence company. Cassie, thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: Hey Grace, thanks for having me. So excited. Have yeah, the- you
0: <laughs> yeah. Happy Monday. Right. And I, I think this is going to be a really fun chat because you guys have a really interesting niche and are able to really leverage technology and sales and motivation in, in really unique ways. So I really would love if you could you know, dive into just different problems and maybe even misconceptions that you've seen in your past um, with with sales managers and how they motivate their teams through through times of, of of you know low sales or just struggling in general.
1: Yeah, I think that's such such a good question, and, and it's interesting. I think motivating the sales team and keeping the sales team engaged is probably my primary function of my my role. Um, And I think, I I don't know, I think about our teams in in a couple of different ways, but it always starts with people. And then there's pipeline, there's all the things that fall under that. But if the people aren't right, you're in the business of selling X, but you're really in the business of people um, because those are the folks that are gonna go out. They're gonna be on the front lines every day. Sales is really hard. And so you need to make sure that your reps are feeling good. So, you know, the biggest misconception that I see, and I mean, I talk to revenue leaders all day, every day, um, who are our customers and our prospects, but I would say the biggest misconception is that every rep is in sales because they're motivated by money. And yes. You know, and I, it, it's interesting. You wouldn't think you'd hear that as much anymore. And there certainly are. Like I think about even, you know, our org, I, I run the West for outreach and we have, we have a group of reps that 100%, they show up every day because they want to max out their comp. They have financial goals. Like this is why they're here. But I would say number one is like, Hey, like everyone's motivated by money. And so long as they're making money, they're happy. Um, and I, I think it's interesting. And right now we're in such a new time. We have a new generation coming into the workforce where that's not their primary motivator at all. And in fact, it, it turns them off. Um, And so I'd say that's number one, I would say the second piece of it is we're in this period where orgs are really struggling to keep their reps and they're struggling to keep the reps engaged. They're struggling to keep the reps focused on, their their org why this is where they should be when it's a hot job market everybody there's folks that are leaving to not even go do anything at all right um (laughs) exactly and so and so i think the second piece is you know in sales you can get really comfortable and you can get to a place where you say you know i have reps who've been doing this for 25 years and they know what they're doing they're really happy doing it blah 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 right and I think the biggest misconception there is as soon as people stop learning and as soon as people stop feeling like they're improving, and that can look different for different people, right? Like I've got a gal on my team where, you know, she's hyper-focused on the, the very tactical skill side of sales. I've got other people where they're focused on different skill sets, learning, navigating internal stuff, right? So it's, it's what, is, what are they learning right now and how do you make that consumable? So I, a big mistake I see folks make is they'll say, well, you know, we've implemented a system where twice a year, we're going to do performance reviews and we're going to give our sales reps 10 things to work on. No, no one can focus on 10 things at a time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not <laughs> Especially with that long of, of a gap, right? Like if you're having it year. twice a year, six months, that's a huge, it, it, needs to, it seems to me like follow up a lot a lot sooner than that.
1: And so, you know, we see people, well, they'll put technology around performance reviews. Like we've done that at Outreach. We put Lattice in place. That's how we run our performance reviews. But a performance review should never be a surprise. And it also should be, hey, what are we learning? And in my opinion, I think most people can learn one or two things at a time. And they should only ever be focused on improving one or two things at a time. And so here we focus on, okay, this month or this quarter, What are we working on improving? What does that look like? And how are we going to measure it? And when you do that, you then can isolate down what is and isn't working. So I see that mistake all the time where they're like, you know, we're providing so much coaching. And you're like, whoa, you're providing ideas of things they can work on. But you've now got a rep who's sitting at their desk or sitting at their home office with a laundry list of things they're doing wrong. And they're saying, oh my gosh, I need to shorten my cycle time. I need to get higher in orgs. I'm losing for this reason. And they can't they can't isolate it down to, okay, this month, the only thing I'm working on is getting wider in my opportunities because that's what's going to help me accelerate my deal cycles and isolating those pieces. So that's one thing I've seen, I would say in the last year is people are hyper committed to, we are going to... Coach our reps so much that you then actually don't coach them at all. A hundred percent. And you know, it's
0: it's interesting. You bring up the fact to like uh that the motivated by by money. I think our generation is motivated first by what their products are doing, like the outcome, the message behind it, and then behind. I want to make a lot of money helping solve this problem. So it's it's definitely a change in in, in ways of looking at things, and it's it's funny because I think that um, technology is going to help a lot of the maybe older managers that are are not understanding that completely help them get to that point, right? Because it's I think at the end of the day, that's what our generation can easily understand. I mean, we have we all have our phones, right? That can do. Pretty much everything in the whole world. So, when we're going to work and we want to improve, you know, we want it to be like the apps that we use to improve our health or, or the, um, <laughs> one of my favorites, right, is the update every week I get about how much time I'm not on my phone. Right? Oh my God, so I hate like, that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, being able to have that right here, but yeah. like not have that at, at where you work is like a huge, a huge, gap and, and everything. And, you know, one thing that I find really interesting about your company too, is that you guys really focused your, your time on figuring out sales execution gap. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain what that is to everyone in our audience and, yeah. and what causes that gap and how your company helps um, others reach closing that
1: yeah, that's, that's a really, really good question. Um, so the sales execution gap is, it's a lot of things. Um, and it took us a long time to really put a word on it. Our space has yeah. been around for a while. And historically, we've always sat in SDR orgs or cold calling orgs, right? Where folks needed help doing more volume. They needed help thinking through, okay, we need to build pipeline. Let's drive more activity. Let's ask reps to do more and more is obviously going to lead to more pipeline, right? And so yeah. <laughs> it was a long time to get to a place where we were able to define the challenge that we were seeing within our customers. And so the sales execution gap is, it's really the gap, it's its missed revenue that you're not getting, but it's also the time that it takes to achieve the revenue. So you know, we've all put in place what I would call traditional systems. A traditional system is CRM. It's Salesforce, it's Dynamics. It's something that you're using to track what your reps are doing. It's typically where reps are honestly putting in their opportunities so they can get paid on them. (laughs) Um, Yeah, right. (laughs) And and so we've, we've set these systems up to try to support our sales process. But what we're finding is they don't actually help reps do the right things. Um, and success is all over the board. If you talk to any sales leader, you'll be like, gosh, like I've got these two reps that are rock stars. Then I've got like this group in the middle and then I've got my low performers. So what we set out to do is figure out like, how do we close that gap both within an organization, but also between, you know, company A in your industry that's crushing it and you, right? So like, what does that look like? Um, to close that gap. You know, I think historically, like I said, the most common way people tried to close the gap was just make more calls, do more volume, add more to the pipeline, add another product skew, add another headcount. And it didn't really get to the root cause of the issue, which was again like the varying performance that you'd see across either, you know, you and another company in your industry or across even your own team, right? Like the top rep from the bottom rep. So that's how we define it. It's really the gap that you're missing in revenue because you have these old systems in place that aren't driving, um, you know, what you need to make your reps really effective, not just doing more.
0: Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. What are like the, what's happening in between that a lot of these maybe managers or reps are missing? And I, and I definitely understand what you're talking about because I feel like a lot of systems will, it, the whether it's like a CRM or maybe even a transportation management system, there's usually like two, two situations Um, working on it and closed. Right. And it's like, there is, especially in freight, like so many different levels to getting there. Right. Like, and and like what is even a success story? Like uh, booking one load could be a success story, but uh, managing their whole transportation could be an even bigger one. So where do you find like, what's usually missing in between and, and what skills could uh, managers focus on maybe a little bit more that's not just, you know, always be close.
1: Totally. No, and I think you all are in a really interesting industry because you don't, you know, in, in SaaS sales, the world I live in, you sign people up on a three-year contract and you, you try to service them well. And then three years later, You know, you work on that contract again. For you all, you're earning their business every single day. And that is really, really challenging. And I think think where most sales leaders miss, and it's by nature of our job, which is we are always focused at the bottom of the funnel. And we are focused on what is about to close and what we were going to forecast. What we're not focused on, and again, it's because of the systems that we have in place, We are so focused on how do we make sure that this opportunity that Grace has in Commit is going to execute and close. What we're not focused on is where we should be, which is that stuff all works itself out if you have enough pipeline. Pipeline solves all problems. And so getting people back to a place where it's like, hey, let's focus on... What is your strategy within your territory or within you know your brokers? What are you trying to do to make sure that you're consistently in communication with them? And you know, hey, like these are folks that buy consistently. These are folks that are at risk. These are folks and have different strategies. It's not I wouldn't call that a persona per se, but think about it like that, right? Of like, okay, if I know this group falls under this, what am I going to do? And so I think sales leaders spend too much time focused on the bottom. Of our funnel and not enough time focused on, Hey, the bottom of the funnel works itself out. If you've got your territory structured in such a way where you have a good hold on it, if you then have the technology in place where you can actually communicate consistently so that you don't miss opportunity. Um, so I, would say that that is probably where most people miss. And I mean, I fall I fall prey to it all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I tell my reps, I'm like, you know, probably for most reps, unless they're, a very special breed their least favorite part of their job is prospecting right so much fun to spend time on the contract that's about to close or it's even so much fun to spend time with that deal that you know isn't really going anywhere but it kind of looks real and then you're going to baby it along until they finally break up with you versus okay let me go through my pipeline let me be real this off is dead i need to be done they're not moving forward Let's have a very clean, real pipeline and let's get back to prospecting. So I always tell my reps, it's like, listen, my day is a lot more fun too. When I'm spending time on the deals that are about to close, that's fun. It's interesting, but I don't have that opportunity if I don't go back to the top. And so I think connecting your, as a leader, your priorities and showing your reps, like, Hey, I'm in it with you. Like I am here to assist you, not always inspect you. And I'm here to do the none, the not so fun parts of my job too. And shocker, they're similar to yours. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And it's, uh,
0: I think it's even vice versa too. I know a lot of people that I think I'm almost the opposite. I enjoy the first calls. I love learning to get to know people, what their problems are. Um, And then I, I, (laughs) <laughs> uh, when it comes to asking for business, that's, that's where I tend to actually shut down more. I just, I really love developing the relationship over than like closing the business. So it's, it's interesting. I think there are like those two types of people, but in those, both of those situations, that middle part, you know, is being missed. It's the, you know, how are you following up? How are you figuring out what their true needs are? And if there are a solid lead. And I think a lot of times they do fall in this trap where like, it feels like it's going to be so good. And it's just not, it's just not going to happen. Yeah.
1: And I, you know, I always tell reps, time is your most valuable asset. And in sales, I think it's so easy to get into a place where you give, you give, you give, and you don't ask for anything back. So we talk a lot about what's the give get. And if you task your prospect with something and you say, hey, like, you know, this is your homework. That's you qualifying. Is this prospect really qualified? You know, as you figure that out, like that allows you, and I think for some reps, it's scary. It's like, gosh, like I have this full pipeline. I feel really good. If I kill these ops, you know, that makes me feel insecure. That makes me feel like I don't have pipeline. And it's like, well, if you kill that op, that means you can go spend time with someone who is qualified. And so getting reps in that mindset of hunting to qualify um, Mm -hmm. is a huge, huge difference. And it gets people to a much better healthier pipeline state, because um, otherwise people will live in that death spiral of fake pipeline.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, I think a lot of times leaders look at like analytics and different reporting on, on sales teams and stuff like that. And I mean, as you should, as a business leader, you constantly look out, okay, this number is not good, right? This number is bad. Um how how can how have you motivated your teams the opposite way, right? Like it's always, especially in freight brokerages, I'd say even more of the startup side because of the pressure that's put on to to build. You know, it's when times are tough, a lot of leadership gets tough and and hard on people. Where you know a lot of people are working really really well. All it takes is that negative feedback to actually hurt them more. Um, how do you positively, you know, motivate your reps in those situations? Like, are there ways to bring up their, their positive work in order to, to push them through?
1: Yeah, I think, man, that's, it's such a good point. Um, because what's interesting about stress is stress always funnels down. And the very very (laughs) best sales leaders, and and I think about some of the amazing people I've worked for, and I'm sure you've had them too, where I view my role as how do I insulate my team from stress? Because, I mean, I've never met a salesperson who performs well on a demo or an initial call or a proposal when they're coming from a place where they know if they get off that call and they have to call their boss and tell them it didn't go well, the chance of them performing well on that call is so small. And so, and so like, I would say number one, it's think about, think about what, what needs to be communicated to the reps. And I see a lot of leaders where they over communicate to their reps, the things that are coming from upper leadership. And some of that needs to be communicated, of course, but some of it doesn't. And so I always think about how do I get the reps in a headspace where they can actually execute effectively in their deal cycles. And that doesn't look like forwarding the email from our CRO that we're missing the number or whatever it might be, right? But I I think think that's a common thing for a lot of leaders because they're like, oh my God, I'm under so much pressure. I need to alert my team of how important executing is. So I would say like that's mistake mistake number one. And what I would encourage folks to think about is how are you insulating the team from, from the stress that can funnel down a sales org? Your job is to absorb that And communicate the things that are most important. But I think on the the positive, here's how I phrase feedback: is clear is kind. Which to me, feedback needs to be consistent, and it needs to be crystal clear, and it needs to be simple. And if you can do that, and you can offer that to your reps, that's when you can have a trust, a relationship of trust. Which to me, if you can't get there, you don't have the sales team. You don't have the people bought in. And if you don't have the people, you're not going to have the sales. So I always say clearest kind and recognize the forum in which you're delivering feedback. I think that there is rarely an occasion where public criticism is motivating or acceptable. So praise people in public. And if you need to have a challenging conversation, that always should happen behind closed doors. And it should come from a place of, again, that clearest kind mindset where you're telling the rep that not to beat them up and not to say, well, because you didn't do this, that means this for me should never have anything to do with what it means for you. It should always be about the rep and, and what the expectations are for that rep. Um, I also think like figuring out the piece of positive feedback that means something to the rep. This goes back to your very first question. Like i I've got a gal on my team. She's wonderful. Um, but she really, really values when I recognize the little things she does every day. It's not as impactful for me to say, hey, she had a great call. But she doesn't care, right? Mm-hmm. She like, She's like, I'm expected to have a great call, but she's like, I would like, and she's <laughs> like, I really appreciate when you recognize that I do my prospecting calls every day, that I do this and I do that. Versus I have another rep on the team where, you know, he's like, I, I expect that I do all my prospecting stuff, but I want you to share with the team when I have a really good call, because that's what gets me energy and what fills me back up to go after it again the next day. So I think just think about like, what is positive? And it goes back to what motivates your reps, right? But like, what is positive for each rep? And then who does that positive feedback come from? So for example, there are times where the positive feedback should come directly from the manager. At the end of every quarter, we have our team, I write, you know, a nice text to each team member, and it has our VP of sales on it, or it has our CRO on it, right, depending on their quarter, or if they had a terrible quarter. I I think that's also, um, I had a boss once, I had a, a miserable quarter, and he called me the Saturday morning after the quarter closed. And he said, hey, I know you grinded out there this quarter. Thank you your quarter is coming and yeah. I'll, and I'll never forget that. Right. And so it's recognizing not yeah. only the outcomes that you were hoping for, but also, you know, at the end of the day, like if the hard work is there, the, the results will follow. And so getting recognized sometimes for things like that um, makes all the difference.
0: Yeah. I think that clearest kind is like so powerful. I almost want like get that <laughs> written up I'm back here on my wall because it's, it's, I think our generation is full of likes and comments and in yeah. and, and posting you know what what we love to do and you you brought this up that you know some people um the the talent search is hard right and some people are are just don't even want to work and I think also they're starting their own businesses yeah. and so the fact that people want to work for your business like they want to be there I, I highly doubt that a majority of your staff doesn't want to be in, in the four walls that there are today. So kindly help them grow and help them be there for a long period of time. And with that, any relationship, right, is gonna be is gonna come giving them negative feedback that they actually probably want to hear, but they need to hear it in that fashion. And I think I think sometimes a lot of times leaders look at look look at giving negative feedback as like they're not going to see it coming like you knew that you had a bad quarter in that situation totally. most people know where they're feeling they just want to hear that it's not the end of the road for them and that there's areas for them to improve and so i just think that's um a really cl- that clear is kind is is so true because most people they want to hear that feedback and there's nothing worse than being in like the hot seat of like maybe going into like a probationary situation yeah. and now you're hearing it right it's like well because I didn't hear from you I thought that I was doing what you needed to be done so it's very very smart of you and um to, to point yeah, that out
1: and I think that- biggest thing is is do you have the trust of the person you're giving the feedback to you know because yeah i think sales sales is really interesting my my husband's in a totally different line of work so like i him him ex, i'm explaining this at home to him of what this looks like because sales is highly emotional it's super personal oftentimes and so you know i think for me like i look at if i'm going to deliver this piece of feedback do i have the trust of the person i'm delivering it to because just like an out-of-work relationship with a spouse or somebody that you love outside of work, if they're going to say something critical to you, but they, you know that they love you, you know that there's trust there, that message gets delivered really, really differently. Because you know they're telling you yeah. because they genuinely care. And if people don't know that you care, you have nothing. And so getting to a place where it's like, hey, I genuinely care and that's why I'm coming to you with this. I think as soon as your manager stops giving you feedback, that's the problem. Because when when people yes. care and they want you to improve, you'll know it. And so yeah, I I think about that all the time. I'm like, clearest kind, and you've got to show people that you care.
0: Cassie, thank you so much for being on our show today. I really appreciate you coming on. I think that we've got some really great advice to our leaders on not just critiquing employees, but using technology to find those pain points. And at the end of the day, it sounds like we just need to make sure that we're really pushing our sales team to grow, not just sales, but as, as human beings and their skills as well. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, and enjoy the rest of the 3 PL. I-